Brow. Jusu's mind held the image of a man, younger and without a beard. He looked at the photograph, and his memories returned. It has been a long time since I've seen Chucky, he told Special Agent Bechtel. Nearly a decade earlier, the convoy Jusu was traveling in had stopped at a makeshift checkpoint in Balatua, a village in northeastern Liberia on the St. Paul River. The checkpoint was spare, but it blocked the dirt roadway toward Monrovia. The date was April 22, 1999. One day earlier, mysterious rebels had attacked Voinjama, a city on Liberia's border with Guinea, forcing hundreds of refugees, Jusu among them, to flee. It was the first significant challenge to Charles Taylor's territory since he had taken office as president of Liberia in 1997. Taylor had emerged as the victor in a seemingly intractable civil war, his power legitimated through an election. Liberia was traditionally the United States' closest ally in Africa, and Taylor was positioned to emerge as the strongest leader that that nation had ever seen. He simply needed to follow the pattern of his predecessors and abide the interests of the United States in Liberia. But to American officials, it was unclear whether President Charles Taylor was a good guy or a bad guy. He was unique. Handsome and eloquent, he was a product of both Liberia and the United States. Born in Arthington, a tiny encampment outside the capital, Monrovia, he could trace his bloodlines both to the indigenous people who had populated Liberia long before the nation existed, and to the freed American slaves who had resettled there and eventually created West Africa's first democracy. Taylor was an American-educated economist and bureaucrat who had learned the tradecraft of political violence from one of Africa's most powerful men, Muammar Gaddafi. Above all these things, he was a revolutionary intent on seizing power over Liberia. When news of the attack on Voinjama reached Monrovia, details were scant. It was clearly blowback from Taylor's long-running proxy war in Sierra Leone, where he had backed the Revolutionary United Front, a rebel faction that had shocked the world by using amputation as a weapon of terror. The president ordered his newest paramilitary group, the anti-terrorist unit, known to many as the Demon Forces, to join the fight and to retake Voinjama. Balatua was little more than a stopover for travelers crossing the bridge over the St. Paul River, a barely navigable strand that snakes for 280 miles through the nation before spilling into the Atlantic. On one side of the road sat a squat cement building with a red tin roof. Across the road, a veranda stood above the scene on a low overlook. Plain clothes and uniformed men who had been posted to the checkpoint by the government milled about the roadway. Some wore dun desert camouflage while others were dressed head to toe in black and still others in green American-style fatigues. The vehicles carrying Jusu, his wife Isatu, her sister Mariana, and his brother-in-law Albert came to a stop at the checkpoint at Balatua. 
and immigration officers ordered the civilians down from the truck. Harassment was a fact of life for refugees in this part of the world. Officials preyed upon the displaced for bribes or looted valued possessions in exchange for passage. For the past 48 hours, the two couples had tried to stay close to one another. But as they jumped down to the roadway, the security forces separated the men from the women, pushing them to opposite sides of the road. As Mariana watched, the soldiers struck her husband and Jusu with the butts of their rifles, forcing them out of sight. The soldiers ordered the men to produce identification, then demanded they hand over their money and remove their clothes. Jusu and Albert emptied their pockets and stripped to their underwear. They took a seat with a group of other men under a mango tree next to the building. The men were afraid to move.